Well, hello there again, Newtown Road. We had such a great time with this last week, we decided we'd just keep going uh, again this morning. And while we're unable to meet together in one big place, it is so encouraging to me and our staff and our team that we can still be gathered together even though we're in our, each other's living rooms uh, around the region. You'll notice today, by the way, that I removed my Eagles gear. I got way too much feedback and negative uh, comments about that. So I wanted to oblige all you Giants and Patriots and Jets fans today. Um, I got rid of all that foolishness behind me, but I, I am feeling a little bit warm here uh, this morning. So I hope you'll just uh, bear with me as I needed to... Take my jacket off there. Before we get into the teaching this morning, I wanted to provide for you some kind of a, just baseline on the information that you need. Uh, maybe you've seen it on our Facebook page, maybe you haven't, but here's what we're doing right now. We've made the difficult decision to, dis to suspend all live gatherings on our campus for the foreseeable future. Looking at all the research that we had available to us, it just, there was no clear date that we could set that we felt was safe and reasonable for a return to live gatherings. So rather than change that information every week, we just decided in this moment, we're gonna suspend all gatherings on campus indefinitely, and we'll let you know as soon as that changes. During that time, sermons and teaching will be available here, Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., uh, and we're gonna continue through our series in Mark, and we're gonna make that available to our church family every week. The church office will remain open. If you find yourself in need, we would love to hear from you. Um, 9 a.m. to noon, we're going to have to cut back the hours a little bit to stay in line with regulations and recommendations. So 9 a.m. to noon, Monday through Thursday, give us a call if uh, something comes up and you need some help. Our life groups are going to continue to be meeting throughout this time, but we're going to encourage them to meet virtually. Now that might be a challenge for some of you, but this ministry is such a vital part of the connections and relationships here, we don't want to lose that. So we have some good tools available to us, and we'd love to help life group leaders get started on those. Uh, we'll be in contact with life group leaders soon, but we're encouraging them to continue to meet virtually. During this time, our staff is working very hard to engage with our congregation online. Uh, we're thankful for these great tools that we have, but here's what we need from you. These are wonderful tools that we're using, but none of them replace the human element. So what I'm asking of you members of Newtown Road, is that you stay as closely connected as you can to our church family during this season. What does that mean? That means phone calls, like the old school phone calls where you're actually talking to somebody, Facebook messages, texts, and emails, maybe an actual card or a letter that you drop in the mail. We need to make sure that we're doing our part to foster and encourage the connections, the relationships in the body of Christ during this time. Something that might not be on your radar during this time when we're not gathering together is the, the topic of giving. Now during this season, it's important for us that we continue to give cheerfully and sacrificially to the Lord. It's a matter of obedience and worship for us, but also just a reminder, your faithful giving to the Lord is what allows our church family to continue to minister to one another and to the community. Now you can give online using our church center app, or you can go to newtownroad.org backslash give and click the click to live button, click to give button. You could also drop your check or cash donation in an envelope and mail it to us at the office if you're more comfortable with that. But let's continue to give generously, cheerfully, and just watch as God provides for us. Now, before I get into the teaching this morning, I made a decision that's, that's likely of questionable wisdom. 
I've invited into our studio today and into your living rooms a very special friend of mine to help me this morning share with you some information about our ministry. Hey guys, my name is Tyler McClure. I'm the youth and families pastor here at the church in Newtown Road. And I, although inhaling Lysol at the moment, would love to give you a quick update on what's happening with uh, our kids' ministries and our family ministries and how you can be involved in what God's doing. Uh, even now, in like the craziness of new schedules and different things, like we are doing everything we can to, um, to help you as you disciple your kids and to support you as you do that. And so, um, first of all, let us know if we can come alongside you in any other way and help you and serve you. Um, we are praying for you, but we know that in the midst of this like crazy time, it would be really nice to have some normality and some rhythm. And so our team is working really hard on creating a plan, like a weekly plan of gatherings and things that we can do to, to partner with you. And so hopefully you saw um, the plan that we put out over social media this, this weekend, and, and, and hopefully you can be a part of what's happening. And so that those things are Sunday morning gatherings at 10 a.m., as Pastor Matt has already said, um, like come together on the couch, learn from God's word and grow together. Sunday nights, our Newtown students are doing life groups and we're doing them like live stream. And so be, be aware of like that's, that's going on at six o'clock six, for sixth graders to 12th graders. Monday mornings, uh, we're really excited about. So from 8.30 to nine or 9.30, um, we're going to try to have like a prayer, like a parent's prayer meeting. And so um, that's going to be online as well. And you'll get information about that um, in, the, in the next couple days, and hopefully you can be a part of that. And then Wednesday nights, we're excited about that. That's normally our team kid, our Newtown students, and all the programs that happen for families here. And what we've decided to do is to bring families together for a family devotional on Wednesday night. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna teach a little bit. Hopefully you can get your families together of all ages. And then we're going to provide you with some questions that you can sit around a dinner table or a couch or the living room and talk about uh, what God's doing in your life and how you as a family can grow together in God's word. And so we're really excited about that. And then Friday night, we're doing something really fun and it's called the family challenge, like a Friday family challenge. And, and um, we're going to give you some opportunities to work together, do some team building stuff, and then compete against other families by posting your picture. We're going to give prizes away. Heather and I are working on this. We're also doing some extra things online to engage with our students and kids and, and, and our parents. And we want you to be a part of it. We love you. We're praying for you and we appreciate your patience in this time as we're like totally trying to figure this out just like you are. So have a great day and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Wow, thank you so much, Tyler. So guys, even with all that's going on and not going on, we're working hard to keep our church family connected and growing through this season. We know it's not ideal. We get that. It's challenging for all of us in-house here on our staff. It's challenging for all of you. But we're going to receive this season as what God has provided for us. In His mercy and wisdom, He saw fit to give us this challenge in this time. And so we're going to try with all of our might to receive in faith this good gift, knowing that when all is said and done, it will ultimately be good for us.
All right, good deal. All right, let's get going this morning. We're jumping back into Mark chapter six. We've been in this uh, series for a long stretch. We took a break last week, but we're gonna fly back into it this morning and bring a sense of normalcy. So your Mark chapter six is where we'll be. You know, a lot of times I get told that the Bible is a boring book or, or that it, there's not a lot intriguing in it. There's not much in it to grab the attention of a modern reader. People might think the Bible is just a book of fairy tales or that there's nothing really in its pages that we would consider newsworthy. Maybe even that it, it, it lacks a little bit of the glamour and the appeal that could hold our attention today. And then we find passages like Mark 6 uh, today, the, the, what we're going to be looking at. Stuff that today we might even find on like an episode of 2020 on a Friday night or, or maybe even the cover story of one of those magazines at the grocery store, right? Right, right next to Wolfman Gives Birth to Elvis' Baby or, or Donald Trump Revealed as Martian Clone is, is a story kind of like what we're going to see today. Today's passage is loaded with interesting stuff. Like, like mystery and power, lust and greed, adultery and murder and a great tragedy, all of it right here. I bet I have your attention now, don't I? What we're going to find today is that even though some 2,000 years separate the events of Mark 6 and today, the realities of that encounter are still present. A man of great power and influence in pursuit of his own glory got, and he was drunk on his own importance refused to do what was right and compromised. And in the end, the innocent paid the price. Now that story has been played out a thousand times over. Mark 6 is where we're going today. You might want to follow along with your Bibles at home. We're going to start in verse 14. Here's what the Bible tells us. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. And some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah. And others said he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and kept him safe. When he, when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Just a quick word of prayer before we begin this morning. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you for our time gathering. 
Even when we're not in one physical place, we thank you that through the bond of the Spirit, we are gathered together. We pray that you would open our eyes to see all the truth in your word that you have for us today. We pray, God, that you would strengthen our church family through this season. Use us with with your power and your might to be uh, messengers of your gospel. And this morning, we pray that you'd push aside our distractions and help us to to dial into what you're teaching us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to make a few observations about that passage and hopefully come to some good application for us. But the first thing that we can look at is, is a case of mistaken identity in the first few verses. King Herod heard of it, the Bible says. Well, what is it that he heard of? He heard of Jesus' ministry. Remember last week, or two weeks ago, we learned that Jesus sent the disciples out and they were in Jesus' name. They were casting out demons. They were healing people. They were teaching. They heard about that. That through the countryside, people were being healed and delivered. And Herod heard of the, the, uh, the, the stories of what God was doing through these men. Jesus' name, the Bible says, has become known to him because the whole region is buzzing with news of this miracle worker. And they ask, who is this? Who is this miracle worker who's doing these great things? They heard about him and they ask presumably the same question that the disciples had asked in previous accounts. The same question that the townspeople had asked as Jesus cast demons out of the man in the Gerasenes. He teaches with authority. He heals diseases. He casts out demons. He raises people to life. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is he? What manner of man is this that all these things are happening in his name? We have to be able to find some kind of explanation, right? Some said, according to the Bible here, some said this is John the Baptist raised from the dead. He's been resurrected. You remember John, right? He was Jesus' cousin. He came before Jesus to announce the arrival of Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Some people said that, that Jesus was actually John the Baptist reincarnated. Some said Elijah, a similar ministry, right? A, a ministry of a forerunner, one preparing the way in the wilderness, a voice crying out. They said, well, no, this is Elijah come back. Some said he's just a prophet of old. He seeks, he seeks to speak on behalf of God to the people and call them to obedience. Herod's response was telling in verse 16. Herod said this, this is John the Baptist whom I beheaded. Whoa. Okay, so, so that's a bit of an ominous and dark intro right there. We've heard about John the Baptist in the opening chapter of Mark. He came preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness. He identifies himself as a simple forerunner, reminding the people there's a messenger coming behind him, and he's not even worthy to to untie the, 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 the ties on his sandals. And now, five chapters later, we find out he's beheaded. And it's mentioned almost as an afterthought. Like, hey, hey, Mark, what are you doing? We could use a little bit of more information here. But as we open the the chapter or our passage today, we see there's a little bit of mistaken identity. Who is this Jesus really? And then we get a bit of a backstory. A a couple years ago, I was at a a pastor's leadership coaching seminar. And one of the guys who was talking used this illustration or this example, a tool that, that corporations are using or were using to identify a problem. And he called it the seven whys. 
And he, he said that it, it came from Toyota's corporate team. But when attempting to identify the root of a problem, you simply need to ask why. But when you get your answer, you don't stop. You continue to ask, well, why did that happen? And when you get that answer, you further ask, well, why did that happen? It sounds like conversations I might have with my children at home. Well, why did you do that? Oh, that sounds good. Why did that happen? And they, the, the story goes that by the time you get to the seventh why, you finally figure out really where your problem is. It's almost like this, this part of the story is written in that, that model. The, it's, it seems a little bit out of order. This is John the Baptist whom I beheaded. Well, wait a minute. How did he get beheaded? Verse 17 tells us that Herod seized John and imprisoned him. Well, why did he go and do a thing like that? Did John break the rules? Well, right, at the, right after that, we're told, no, it was because of his brother's wife. Well, why does his sister-in-law care about what the prophet is saying? Well, let's read on. Because he, Herod, had married her. Oh, okay. So, so now it's becoming a little clearer. He married his brother's wife. Maybe, maybe she's jealous well, no, that's not what happened. John was speaking on behalf of God and was uh, extolling righteousness. And he was a preacher of righteousness. And he said to Herod, this is not right. This is unlawful for you to be married to your brother's wife. You see, in order for him to marry Herodias, he had to divorce his first wife, and which incited a small war with her father, and he had to convince Herodias to divorce his brother Philip. So Herodias had a grudge against John. She hated him. Why did she hate him? She hated him because he had the audacity to confront her with her sinfulness. In light of God's truth and God's wisdom and his plan and his revealed will for us, John stood before Herodias and said, What you're doing is unlawful before God. And that's why she hated him. There's, there's, a, there's a bit of a word for us today, isn't there, church? That often when we stand on the truth of God's word and we bring that to bear on the hearts and the lives of our loved ones, it's not always seen as a, uh, as a protective or beneficial service. Nobody likes to hear where they're falling short. Oftentimes, it turns into scorn and hatred because we have the audacity to point out the truth of God's word and the light of obedience. All right, so why isn't he killed? She hates him, holds a grudge against him. Why isn't she just able to have him killed? Well, because her husband Herod protected him. The Bible tells us that Herod feared John. Well, why did he fear him? Was he afraid of him physically, that he was going to hurt him, intimidate him? No, the Bible says he knew that he was a righteous and a holy man. Herod knew that John was innocent. Herod knew that John was godly. Herod knew that John was a good man. And the Bible says that he was perplexed when he taught. He was intrigued by this message that he brought to him. And the Bible even says that Herod enjoyed, he gladly heard him. So John the Baptist found a willing, enthusiastic audience with Herod. Who knows? Maybe Herod has even begun to consider John's message of repentance. Maybe Herod has begun to consider 
the identity of this one who will come behind him? We don't know. So wait, if that's the case, Herod liked the guy, then why in the world did he kill him? That's a great question. Well, the third thing we can see today is that there was a trap that was established. Herod had a big old birthday banquet. And the Bible says that in verse 21, that the nobles, the commanders, the leading men of Galilee gather for this huge celebration for Herod's birthday. This, this wasn't just an opportunity for Herod to have a little cake and ice cream with his family. This was an opulent display of power and influence. You can tell by the guest list. These weren't all of his friends and people. These were the most influential people in the region. He's putting this on display. He is, he is kind of obsessed with his own importance and his own image. And so he puts on this huge party and invites all the powerful people. And then the Bible tells us that in verse 22, the daughter of Herodias, not Herod's daughter, but I guess his niece, Herodias' daughter, danced and pleased the guests. Now, while Mark doesn't explicitly say so, it is believed that this was a lewd dance in front of this girl's stepfather and his drunken friends. Now, you might think that sounds excessive, but there is no end to the sinful behavior of the Herodians. And in response to the crowd-pleasing dance, Herod, likely under the influence of alcohol at this time, offers the girl anything she wants. And he doubles down and says, up to half my kingdom. He's not thinking rationally. He's not, he, he is speaking publicly in front of his friends in order to make a display of his power and his wealth. And so he asks the girl, tell me what you want. I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. So she runs out to her mother and conspires with her. Mom, what should I ask for? They scheme together to get something really good. And Herod's wife, in a sad display, uses her daughter to manipulate her husband and says, I want the head of John the Baptist. So the daughter of Herodias goes back to John or back to Herod and tells him, I want the head of John the Baptist brought to me here on a platter. Look at verse 26. The Bible says the king was exceedingly sorry. Now, now Herod is conflicted. Herod likes John the Baptist, likes to hear his preaching, likes to receive him and have an audience with him. Herod feared John. Herod is convinced that John is a righteous man and a holy man. Herod doesn't want to kill John. But because of his guests and his oath, because he was afraid of looking weak and indecisive, he yields and he orders the execution of John the Baptist and it's carried out. The head is brought to Herodias' daughter, who in turn takes it to her mother. And the Bible says that the disciples of John the Baptist, when they heard about it, came to retrieve the body, tenderly caring for the remains of their teacher as best they could. And with that, the encounter itself closes, leaving the readers like you and me to wonder, what was that about? Or maybe, if you like, causing us to wonder, so what? What am I supposed to do with that? What does that mean for me? And that's a great question. Today's passage, it might be a little challenging for us to see just what we should be looking at through that message. 
Here's where I think we can focus our hearts and minds today. One, the staggering cost of pride and self-glory. You see, in this case, Herod felt conflicted in the middle of this over-the-top birthday celebration. He is drunk on his own power, on his own importance, on his own acclaim. He is using the occasion as an opportunity for his ego to be stroked, for his head to swell a little bit, for him to look around, take a good, honest assessment and puff himself up with pride a little bit. He is, he is building and fostering his kingdom and setting it against the kingdom of God. And in that moment, his refusal to humble himself leads to the death of an innocent man. All he had to do was do the right thing. All he had to do was stand firm based on his convictions and do what he knew was good and appropriate. All he had to do was say to his, his uh, stepdaughter and his wife, no, I'm not going to do that. All he had to do was be willing to humble himself in front of his friends. You see, Herod's refusal to humble himself is what leads to the death of John the Baptist. But hear me out. The warning here isn't just for kings and politicians. No, no, no. The warning contained there is for you and I as well. Our pride, our obsession with our image, our obsession with the affirmation of people leads us to compromise too, doesn't it? Hasn't our obsession with our own image and our desire for people's affirmation led us into failure in the past? Hasn't it led us into sin? How many of us have been quiet in the crowd when we should have spoken up because we were afraid of what we would look like? How many of us have stood silently while somebody is being treated unjustly because we were concerned about our reputation if we spoke up? Or how many of us have spoken up when we should have remained silent? How many of us have failed to act when we should have acted? We had it in our power to do something, to lift the burden of the oppressed, to defend the defenseless, to, to step in with those who had no voice and be their voice, and yet we sat quietly because we were concerned with how we might appear to our friends and acquaintances. How many of us have allowed our moral boundaries to be compromised because we didn't want to displease somebody that we were in relationship with? How many of us have allowed the fear of man and our obsession with how we're viewed to overpower the Spirit's promptings in our lives? You see, this, this warning isn't just for King Herod. This warning is for me. And this warning is for you today. If I'm talking to you and you say, Matt, that's me. I have done that. I have allowed myself to be so focused on my reputation and my own glory that I'm not willing to yield to Jesus. Then today you need to repent of that. You just need to turn to Jesus. You need to confess that to him. Tell him you're sorry. Seek the forgiveness that abounds for you and walk in faith. 
You see, the path forward for us, if that's you this morning and you're feeling that that sense of conviction, the path forward for you is not self-hatred and it's not self-harm. Instead, the path forward is to allow your heart and your mind to be captured again today by the goodness and the greatness of God. And as we fix our minds on him and we take captive our thoughts and surrender them to him, as we make his ways our thoughts and our ruminations of our hearts, as we do that, we begin to think less of ourselves. So this isn't a call to self-hatred or self-harm. Instead, this is a call to a proper view of who God is, which allows us to see ourselves for who we are. So that first warning is an important application point. And the second one here, and I think this is really the main, uh, one of the main points of this passage, is that there is a sense of urgency bound up in this story. This is a warning to people like Herod for sure. There's a stark reminder today that this day, today is the day of salvation. You see, Herod had heard the teaching of John the Baptist, had enjoyed the teaching of John the Baptist, was intrigued and interested by the teaching of John the Baptist. But he did not yield his heart in submission and repentance. Although he had audience with him over and over again, he let those moments pass, presumably thinking that maybe there would be time for that later. I can get to that when I need to. But that moment never came. And maybe, maybe some of us have done the same thing. Maybe we've sat through too many church services to count. We have heard all of our religious relatives harping on us over and over again about the gospel. We've read all the Christian books that our spouses give us at Christmas time, trying all, with all their might to get us to see things differently. And yet we're just unchanged. And our hearts are unmoved by all of that. Maybe today you're sitting there in your living room and you can see the truth of the gospel. You can see the reality of your sinfulness and your rebellion against the glory of God. You understand and realize that that the wages of sin is death, but there's a great gift available. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And maybe in the quietness of your living room, you can see the glory of the Savior and the free gift of grace that God gives us in Christ. Friends, if that's you, then today's your day. This is your day. Don't put it off. Don't wait one moment. Don't presume that you'll be able to be here again. If anything, this last week has taught us, it's that we simply do not know what tomorrow will hold. But we do know that there is one who offers us hope and peace, offers forgiveness of sin, offers life everlasting. Repent. Turn away from from your own ambitions. Turn away from your own glory. Turn away from your own pride and and the affirmation of, of other people. And instead, yield yourself and turn to Jesus. You know, near the end of Luke's gospel, we find Herod again. Pilate has sent Jesus to him, looking for help as he's trying to execute him. And Luke tells us that Herod is excited to meet Jesus because he had heard about him. Herod, according to Luke, wanted Jesus to do a sign for him. He was hoping that in this final audience with Jesus, Jesus would, you know, rub his hands together and work some miracle for him. So Herod grills Jesus over and over again. 
And Luke tells us that Jesus remains silent. And it makes you wonder if, in that moment of his interrogation, if Jesus' mind went back to John the Baptist and all those times with Herod. Makes you wonder if, if Jesus, just in his own heart and mind, was asking the question, Herod, why now? I sent to you a prophet. I sent somebody to preach the message to you. I sent him with urgency. You received him gladly, but you wouldn't yield. Why now do you want to hear from me? And it's tragic as we watch this scene play out. We get the sense that Herod's time for decision has passed him. In that final moment with Christ, Jesus is unwilling to speak to him. It's almost as though he's had his chance. And that time passed him by. Herod sends Jesus back, finding no fault with him. And Herod ends up complicit in the death of Jesus, as well as the death of John the Baptist. And in that way, John the Baptist serves as a forerunner in more than just his message, but a forerunner in his death as well. There is an urgency here to the message of the gospel. There is a reality to these eternal truths that we talk about week after week after week. There is a reality to heaven and hell that is placed before us on a regular basis. And there is a free gift of grace in the Lord Jesus Christ extended to all who would believe. Extended to me and extended to you. I don't know where you are today. And I don't know what the Lord is doing in your heart today. But I want to encourage you with this concept and this thought. That the gift of the gospel is available to you today. Jesus said in the beginning of Mark that his his mission was clear. The time was fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven was at hand. It was near in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and believe the gospel. Have you done that? Have you turned away from sin? Have you believed in the gospel? Today... If, if you're sensing that urgency, if you're sensing that need, don't let today pass. Don't let this moment pass. There's an urgency here. Don't presume upon God's grace that as though you're going to have this opportunity again. But in this moment, as God is speaking to you, respond to Him. As He calls to you, answer Him. As He desires you to come and bow your heart in submission to Him, do just that. Today is your day. Of salvation. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst, even when we're unable to gather. Thank you that the Spirit moves among the people of God, even when they're unable to be in one building. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in us and through us through this uh, health crisis. We pray for your hand of protection and healing on our congregation, that we would be well physically, emotionally, spiritually. God, I pray that you'd provide for all of our needs according to your riches in Christ. I pray that you would mobilize us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Pray for our families as they're home together that they would be renewed in you and renewed in one another. God, I pray that your power would be on display in our lives. We pray for our nation that you would bring protection and healing to it. We pray that this virus will be stopped and halted in its tracks. We ask that you'd give wisdom to our leaders and officials, that they would know the way to go. And we pray that through this challenging time, our church family would grow stronger and deeper in you than we've ever been before. Lord, we pray that the ministry of the gospel 
the words of the message of Jesus would be present on our lips as we engage with our neighbors and loved ones. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, thanks so much for tuning in with us today. Continue to check back on our website and our social media feeds. We're going to post new information and updates as soon as it becomes available. And remember, let's seize these opportunities that God has provided for us through this crisis. Let's make the most of every day and every chance we get to lift up Jesus. I love you, Newtown Road, and I cannot wait to see you again. I will now do Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. Please do not.